Hello and welcome to Lawrence Forking, Kansas, the podcast about the people and the stories behind the local food you love. I'm Jake. And I'm Kristen, and today we're interviewing Chef Rick Martin. Before we get to the episode today, we just want to take a second to thank you all for listening. We are really having so much fun making this podcast, and we're so glad that there's other people in Lawrence who are interested in the stories behind our local restaurants and food businesses. And if you like what we're doing with this podcast and you want to support us, we've gone ahead and created a Patreon page where you can do just that. Um, so yeah, just, just check it out. It's actually in the episode description, um, or you can go to patreon.com slash Lawrence Fork in Kansas and keep helping, you know, help us uh, highlight the amazing food scene here in Lawrence. We want to get to the podcast today. It's a super interesting one with Chef Rick Martin about all his various projects in the Lawrence culinary scene. Um, and stay tuned. You know, those of you who know, he is um, one of the founding partners and founding chef at Limestone. So stay tuned um, for a full episode just on Limestone in the future. But today's about his other projects. Um, we'll have more information on what our Patreon supporters will receive at the end of the podcast today. So stay tuned for that. Today we're talking with partner and founding chef at Limestone, partner at Lucky Berry, advanced culinary arts instructor at Lawrence College and Career Center, and co-founder of restaurant consulting business Kitchen Scratch, Rick Martin. Rick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So, you know, Rick, obviously, uh, that that's quite a list there. You're, you're involved in a lot of different food projects. You could probably add to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. We just we probably missed a few things. But, uh, but yeah, obviously you're involved a lot, uh, you know, around town and um, yeah, we're just really excited. I, I think you probably would be cool to kind of just kind of talk with you about your experiences as you know, with being in the food and culinary world in Lawrence. So thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you from Lawrence? Uh, well, I've been here since 1991. So I kind of feel like I'm getting to that native <laughs> uh, space, but I am native to Kansas. I grew up in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. Uh, that was you know, a, a different experience than I think most people had growing up. I, I, you know, I, I'm always pretty quick to tell people I grew up a poor kid in Wichita in yeah. a rough neighborhood and, uh, had a lot of experiences, but, uh, it was certainly the first thing that really connected me with food, uh, was growing up in a uh, primarily Hispanic neighborhood where, uh, and also in the 1980s, a lot of, uh, Vietnamese and Cambodian immigrants that lived in the neighborhood and went to my school and those were my, my buddies. And so I was really just fascinated by all these different smells and flavors and, and, and food things that I'd never experienced yeah. before. And, you know, all those goosebumpy moments that you have the first time you taste cilantro or, you know, smell pho, the broth. And, yeah. and, and you know, those were things that really the, the culture as a whole wasn't even experiencing yet, but I got to experience it through these families that I knew. Yeah. Cause that that's probably, cool. probably quite a difference from, you know, probably traditional food and in, in Kansas, you know, Kansas food, you know, being able to have that experience of, Oh wow. Yeah. That's a whole different flavor profile. I bet <laughs> then. Um, so then what, uh, what eventually brought you to, you know, brought you this way out to Lawrence then a girl. Uh, <laughs> always starts there. Yeah. <laughs> um, I took a gap year after high school and I actually moved to Columbia, Missouri okay. and my brother who was going to the university of Missouri, uh, four years older than me. So he'd been there for a while and was working in restaurants. He was a server yeah. and in the hospitality field as well. Although he uh, is in, uh, uh, marketing, mostly global marketing now, yeah. but he 
said he had some chefs that in the restaurants that he was working at and he wanted to introduce me to and I just I had no reason not to so the summer after I graduated high school I packed everything up in my car and I headed mm-hmm. to Columbia and uh, lived with him for a couple weeks found another roommate and worked about three jobs at the same time <laughs> and got a little burnout because uh, the my girlfriend at the time was going to KU in Lawrence so mm-hmm. I was commuting mm-hmm. you know weekends and stuff from Columbia to Lawrence and eventually decided that you know I'm kind of done doing this I'm gonna enroll at KU and go get a job in Lawrence hmm. nice how did you know to introduce you to chefs like was that something you were already in high school you're kind of like food my family knew from the time that i was pretty young that that's what i was going to do i i loved to cook for the family i was the kid that always wanted to stir for mom um you know i was always helping in the kitchen and my mom worked a lot of uh second jobs Mm. so there was a lot of evenings when i was at home uh cooking for my brother and sister uh, or myself just to just so we could all eat right and uh we were definitely a uh grow a garden um and you know uh use coupons at the grocery store, you know, mm-hmm. that type of family. So mm-hmm. we didn't have a lot. So it was easy for me to learn the basics of scratch cooking because we didn't have convenience stuff. Right. And that was a lot of fun for me to uh, learn how to make a tomato sauce mm-hmm. uh, or a simple bechamel or velouté. And, and my mom had a lot of knowledge of these things. Mm-hmm. She didn't really know it, but she knew what they were because she was interested in cooking too. She didn't have the terminology to match up with the skills that she had, mm-hmm. but uh, it's certainly taught me a lot about some of the you know just how to make food taste good when you have raw whole ingredients and that's something that's definitely lost in a lot of our cooking culture these days for sure did you learn like from did you have books or other family members or where did you kind of learn how to make things I had some books maybe when I got more in the high school age Mm -hmm. uh I didn't I wasn't into it from a cookbook perspective when I was say in middle school Mm -hmm. I just knew that I liked to do it and Mm -hmm. I liked to eat it but I had met some friends, uh, you know, a couple people, uh, older retired people in the neighborhood that I lived in that kind of took me under their wing and knew I liked to cook and started giving me cookbooks that oh, they didn't want anymore awesome. and still have a lot of them today, actually. So, uh, that was, that was a big deal. Cause then, yeah, I, to me, that was the goal. That was the treasure chest that opened up when mm-hmm. all of a sudden I got to see that there were other people out there that were as interested in this as I was. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I think it's kind of a crazy experience now. I mean, I think, you know, now it's so you kind of think take it as commonplace where it's like you got all these TV shows, you know, where you got right. there's just knowledge readily available. You get TV shows, books, the Internet. I mean, it's everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. And it's kind of that celebrity, almost that celebrity, you know, feel now of mm-hmm. all the you know cooking shows. So that's kind of it's interesting to hear, you know, yeah, you, that yeah, back then it was just a little more <laughs> you got to do the got to go the route of books and just a tribal knowledge of passing down from, from different people. But yeah, I always tell people you can almost train yourself to be a chef just through YouTube and the internet these days, if you have the time and you have the dedication to do Mm -hmm. it uh, and a place to actually exercise your skills and the things that you're, you're learning, but you know, everything's out there. It's, it's just, it amazes me how much is out there and demonstrations and hacks and different things that you can do. Yeah, I'm always, I always like, uh, there's like a, you know, if I got a new fruit that I've never cut up before, it's, I, I take it for granted, but I'm like, <laughs> Google, how do you cut a, you know, this? And then you watching, you're like, 
Yeah, and they, it's, yeah, they teach you, like, the best way to do it. And you're like, yeah, yeah I never would have, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. this would not have been how I approached. Right, you would have gone through, like, several of them before figuring out the best yeah, way to do absolutely. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think the first time I did a mango was, yeah, I was like. Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough one. It is a trick. It's slippery, too. But, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so so you came to, so you got, you came to Lawrence, went to school here. What did you end up going to school for? Well, I was a science nerd, mm-hmm. so I uh, was trying to earn a biology degree. I wasn't sure where I was going to go. I really loved zoology when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. had a great uh, zoology teacher at the high school level that actually brought me up to KU a lot. So I I was was familiar with some of the professors Mm -hmm. in the labs because I had had that college interaction uh, in high school. And, uh, you know, I was, I didn't have any college money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have, uh, you know, even a dime of college money. So I was the, the idea of going to college was work full time to go to school part time. Mm-hmm. Right. And I did that for about three, three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And it just really worked me, uh, to the ground. Right. Yeah, and, I bet. and, you know, and tuition was a lot cheaper in those days and it was actually doable, but the hours that you had to put in to study and yeah. work full time and, you know, the effort to get a good job and to be able to put that time into mm-hmm. being a manager and being uh, the leader at the job and also trying to study and make the grades at school, it was really hard. Uh, so I eventually, you know, I made that decision. I said, you know, I'm, I really like what I'm doing and I'm making good money doing it. And I, I just, it, it, it was, I couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were in restaurants while, mm-hmm. while in school? Yeah. And, uh, really, uh, primarily at free state brewing company. And mm-hmm. I, when I came to Lawrence that summer, I had one place on my mind. My brother had had a Free State Brewery shirt. They'd only been open for a year and a half oh, wow. uh, okay. at that time in 1991. Like, yeah. And he had a Free State shirt, and I always loved wearing that shirt whenever he would, you know, I'd visit him or he would visit uh, me back in Wichita. And so that was the one place that I wanted to go to. I was really fascinated by uh, handmade products and local food, even at that time. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, craft beer was not a thing at the stores. You had uh, Sierra Nevada and anchor products and a beer called Pete's wicked ale, which was one of the only uh, other craft beer products available in the late eighties and early nineties. And so the idea of this place, it's brewing its own beer and just selling a bunch of it at the pub downtown really fascinated me. And the, the, the food culture behind it really fascinated me. And so I walked in there and I put in an application and, uh, sure enough, I got a call the next day and that was, uh, 20 years of, of time that I put in there. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. What yeah. position did you start at at Free State? I started as a prep cook. Within the first six months, I was working the line and, and then managing. And, uh, you know, through a course of events of some people coming and going, uh, after about, I think, my second or third year, there was the opportunity to be the head chef. Oh, wow. And I kind of accepted the role without anybody asking me because it was vacant. (laughs) And I did that for a few months before I think I finally went to Chuck and I just said, so am I doing this? Is this my job? And and he kind of smiled at me and said, yeah, you're doing a great job. And, and I said, okay, great. And you know, a couple years after that, I 
got smart and talked about money and things yeah. like that. But <laughs> I was just happy to have a job as a chef because yeah. I knew that, that was what I always wanted to be. Oh, that's awesome. Did you ever get involved in some of the beer beer making side of it too? Or, or is that totally separate? Totally, how Free State's work? Well, I was always interested in learning about it, mm-hmm. but I never worked a single day in that brew house. And uh, I, I remember several times I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I wanted to uh, find the time to go in there and learn everything about it because in my chef brain, it kind of makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, you work you design recipes and you execute them and then you clean a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just never really found the time. It, it got so busy and I got really busy that about 10 years later, I decided that I wanted to do something in craft beer. And so I really got into this idea of pairing food with beer that was mm-hmm. just kind of starting to hit the scene. And there was a couple of people out there that were really focusing on that. And so I joined the team of brewers and, and hit the road and went to all the beer festivals and started doing demonstrations and talks and, and lectures yeah. about beer and food. And I did that for about another 10 years and uh, it was really fun. Uh, yeah. I, I loved that time in my life. I loved telling people that for a while I just traveled and talked about beer <laughs> and, you know, awesome. spent some hours in the restaurant too, but it was, it was a great time in my mm-hmm. life and felt really proud to help get free state kind of out there in mm-hmm. that, uh, in those larger circles of the conversation of yeah. craft beer. It was probably early days for some of that conversation, right? I mean, I feel like that was, you're probably right at the beginning of like when beer's really taken a, you know, away from just being a Coors Light and Bud Light. It's a... It really was. Yeah, it's craft beer. I mean, it's crazy to see how that's grown in the past, I mean... Yeah, I think... Since we turned 21. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I think there's more craft breweries opening every month than there were in America in the late 90s. So, I mean, it's it's pretty crazy. And I think we were counting the other day, like, man, you know, how many... You know, how many in Lawrence alone right now? You know, it's like, you know, obviously Free State kicked it all off. But at this point, it's I think we have at least five, if not maybe six. I don't know. (laughs) And people marvel at that. But it really just shows that we as a society, we really want local. Mm -hmm. And beer is such an amazing way to get as local as you can. Yeah. And, you know, we obviously like to drink it. (laughs) But there's just something about a beer that's brewed down the street. And then it, it tastes better. It feels mm-hmm. better. Um, you just, you feel good uh, making that decision to buy yeah. local. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a, a, a product example that just really has no comparison really in, mm-hmm. in the U S right now. Did, um, so, you know, you spent a lot of time at free state. So then I guess, how many years was that? You said over. It was 20 years 20 to years. the day. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, uh, I started on August 13th of 1991 and I left on August 13th of 2011, totally wow. by accident. <laughs> uh, it, wow. and there might've been something in the back of my mind that was saying, okay, 20 years, I'm mm-hmm. going to retire from, from this place. But, uh, it, it, it really came about, I had been advising at the Eudora culinary program at the time. We didn't have a culinary program at the high school level in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chef Jason Gray was the instructor there. And he had been asking me about you know coming to do demonstrations for the students and, and joining the advisory board. And I did. And then we started hiring uh, students that came through the program mm-hmm. and uh, several I'd say, you know, six or eight that we hired over the years. I think there's somebody that's still working there now that I hired back in those days. And 
uh, I really enjoyed that. I was uh, I was totally uh, taken by the teaching side of it. My mm-hmm. my father was a teacher at the time. My grandfather was a, a teacher for forty years, half of which in a one room schoolhouse. So I knew wow. I had it in my blood. And that summer, Jason called me and said, hey, I'm leaving. I'm going to go to Johnson County to take a uh, professor position there. Uh, you should apply for this job. And I kind of I, I laughed. I remember I just said, I'm just a cook <laughs> that works in a restaurant. You know, I'm not a teacher. I don't even know if I have, you know, the ability to fill out the application that, or, you know, pass the background checks. I don't know. I mean, there's all sorts of things going through my mind of like, well, there's no way I could do that. That's kind of living the a different life. And, yeah. and I've been, you know, in the back in the kitchen <laughs> and he said, no, you should apply for this. And, and I could tell by the tone of his voice that he, you know, really, uh, uh wanted me to do that job. So I, uh, I thought about it and I applied and, uh, sure enough, I got the job. And so that was, you know, I was finishing up that summer at Free State and uh, started uh, teaching in you know mid-August that year and faced uh, about 50 students through three classes in a day. And uh, you know, was, I always tell oh, people yeah. it was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do uh, was that first day of school. But uh, you know, I got used to it pretty fast and, um, found the, the ways to do it my way. I thought I had to do it somebody else's way. Mm-hmm. You know, when you first enter education, especially in the public school, you think, well, there's a set uh, of rules of how you have to do this. And Ron Abel, the principal over there, who's still there today was like, no, you know, you can just do this how you want and, mm-hmm. uh, made me feel really relaxed about it. And so nice. it, it definitely, yeah. it got better. How do you approach that? I mean, what, what is like, is it a, the court, what's the course structure look like for, you know, you get in there, is it learning basics or, you know, cause it's training where that, do you start, yeah, where do you start? I guess. I guess. Yeah, that's, a, there, that's the thing. There really wasn't a course structure. I mean, right. the state certainly has a, uh, a list of things that these students need to learn mm-hmm. uh, within the career pathway. And how you get them there is is really up to the instructor. There are some curriculums out there, uh, one of which called is called Pro Start. It's done by the National Restaurant Association, and it gets kids industry ready. And it's a pretty good curriculum to follow. But depending upon the kitchen you're in and the type of students you have, mm-hmm. it's really hard to follow any one curriculum. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of students, and they were just students from all demographics and socioeconomics, and so there was just a lot of that management and um, kind of hand-holding and mm-hmm. really uh, trying to uh, help kids get through their lives on a daily basis. And that was uh, something that I found out that I was really good at, mm-hmm. but I didn't expect to be a part of the job. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of uh, problem uh, students that just really needed that, that mentor and that person mm-hmm. to, uh, to help them through whatever they were going through. So the cooking at that job kind of, took a back seat to a lot of other things and it took me uh to i had to get through my first year before i was able to make cooking the the priority Mm -hmm. and because i i kind of figured the rest of it out and i knew what i was doing and then you know from there it was like wow you know they're coming here to learn how to cook and they Mm -hmm. want me to be their teacher and i had to had to get that in my head Mm -hmm. and uh i did i finished that next year there and uh i left because we had kind of formed the partnership of Limestone, the, and the idea of that hatched, and um, I was pretty set on on taking that leap. So mm-hmm. I resigned from that job and started working on Limestone. That's awesome. And then, yeah, yeah. So then, 
so limestone comes about and then and then how many years i mean i, I know you're kind of now you're, you're involved you're involved in it but you definitely have taken a step back you know mm-hmm. a little bit letting that kind of cruise on itself so what's that like you know to start something like that and then be so involved and then have to kind of like you know let it go <laughs> a little bit yeah i thinking about it now it's you know, I can, it, it's pretty easy to talk about, but, um, you know, early on, cause we're five and a half years old now. And it really comes down to a couple of things. Number one, just having a really good idea mm-hmm. and having a good system. And we were pretty dead set on having the flavors that we wanted on day one mm-hmm. and the pizza that we wanted on day one and all of the ideas that we put into this mission of how we were going to go about doing limestone. And that really helped a lot because a lot of those, you know, 95% of those flavors are still there. Mm-hmm. The same things that you would get on that first day that we open. And that eventually, when you do that, you kind of, you take yourself out of a job in a way <laughs> because, um, everybody's coming for, you know, those flavors yeah. and, and the creative part of it, you don't have to do quite as much. We still do a lot of creative work at Limestone and the staff there does an amazing job, but, uh, we don't have to do it quite as much as we did in the first couple of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the second thing is that, uh, you know, Debbie Rascal, who, uh, you know, nobody really knows Debbie's name, but she's, uh, and her and her husband, Charlie are 50% partners mm-hmm. at Limestone. And she just works really hard to keep that place going every day mm-hmm. and, uh, keep it as popular as it is. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a big thing too. When mm-hmm. you've got a partner mm-hmm. that, uh, is, is taking it on themselves to do a big part of the work, mm-hmm. uh, certainly allowed me to, uh, be the smaller partner and, and then go off and start teaching again and mm-hmm. then get involved in some other projects. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's the beauty of it. And I think limestone knew that I was the type of person that just wanted to be involved in a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And after about three years of kind of being a daily person and really getting it set where we all wanted, it was a lot easier for me to kind of start saying, okay, we'll see how this feels when I, you know, take a a day off and go teach or Mm -hmm. take three days off and do something else. And that, that kind of came naturally. Cool. How do you go about finding, you know, I always hear, you know, it's like you partner up all these partnerships and all that. I mean, what, what was that process like to, I mean, cause it was, you know, you had this idea or, or how did you find these partners to, to work with? I mean, that seems like a, there's probably a network, is there a network there to talk to? Or is it just sure, bi- yeah, you know, time at Free State, meeting people probably. And uh, yeah, how does that work? Well, I guess some would say it kind of happens organically, mm-hmm. but most of it is, you know, kind of the networks that you already have in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, how it happened with limestone was, uh, Charlie rascal, Debbie's husband was my mentor chef, uh, back in the early nineties. He came to Lawrence because Debbie was from Kansas. They were living in New York. He was, he owned restaurants in New York and was an instructor at the culinary Institute of America. Mm-hmm. And they came here because, you know, Debbie wanted to be back with her family in in Kansas. And so Charlie came to Free State when I was there and we hired him to kind of be a consulting chef Mm -hmm. and, and really in a, in a big way, teach this 22 year old how to be a chef because I had no book and I didn't have a mentor Mm -hmm. at the time. So I was trying to figure out how to run the kitchen at Free State and be creative but do it in a way that, that was kind of accepted in the industry. And I didn't really know that. And Charlie came in and uh, taught me how to do that and, and taught me all the, the fundamentals of the structure and the discipline and the things like that that need to go into taking the creative part of your brain and mm-hmm. actually making it a successful, profitable product. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, and then Charlie opened wheat fields with oh. Chuck and Tom Leonard. Okay. And so he then went to do that. And, uh, so they went back to New York, came back to Kansas, uh, six or seven years ago and knew that they wanted to do it again. And mm -hmm. so of course I was the person that they called with Charlie getting a little older and you know, they wanted somebody, uh, that was, uh, you know, my age that was still interested in doing the line cook hours and doing what it took to, to get the place off the ground. And that's kind of how the partnership that particular one happened. And, you know, I, people come to me all the time and ask me about partnerships and there's, you know, it's a very easy for me to say, don't do it. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're not, you know, 51% plus owner, um, don't do it because you're just, there's never going to be a happy place. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that there's, uh, some happy places and they're just, you know, being a part of things that you, as long as you understand your role. Um, but you know, mostly with partnerships, somebody's going to come and find you because either they don't want to do the part that they don't know how to do. Um, a lot of times it's money people that want to find a chef or a front of the house manager and put them in place. And sometimes they get minimized in that, uh, in that sort of dynamic and it doesn't work out very well because mm -hmm. again, you're doing all the work, right. but you're a smaller owner. Mm. And so that's usually my counsel to people is just, you know, be really cautious about partnership. If it's not an equal partnership, you just really need to make sure that you're comfortable with that, those people that you're um, taking that high risk mm -hmm. uh, investment in. So you, you're at Limestone and then, so then you said, like you said, you get back to teaching. So, so at what point did you say, okay, I, you know, I've done, done my part here and I'm going to go back and, and go back to that teaching opportunity. Well, an interesting hap thing happened when I was at Eudora. Um, the state of Kansas had, had called me about teaching some contract work for the basically the school lunch program where um, I would go in the summer and visit these groups of uh, school lunch workers and teach them chef skills because there was a big movement, and there still is to some extent, about getting uh, healthier this food, healthier food local mm -hmm. food, right. um, and also just back to basics and back to scratch foods. Mm -hmm. uh, because right now in uh, a lot of public school kitchens, there is no scratch food. It's just not allowed by right. the child nutrition guidelines or the uh, the food code that they have to follow. Wow. Seems weird. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's, it's kind of twisted if you really get into it. And so there was a movement of teaching uh, the staff knife skills and the basic fundamentals of building blocks of food, hmm. because most of the people taking those jobs, all they had to do is really, you know, uh, open a box yeah. or, and, yeah, and, yeah, and make sure that the portion control was there and the food right. costing and, and they weren't really hiring chefs anymore. Hmm. And now we're back to where there's a lot of very talented, uh, gifted, uh, creative people that are working in a lot of our public schools. So that happened and I started actually wanting to write my own programs. And, and so I, I started uh, talking to Just Food about teaching there, and but actually writing the programs to have a set thing that anybody could teach. You know, it, was, it wasn't just anybody could cook, but I wanted anybody to step in. And if you knew how to make the best chicken noodle soup in the world, you should be able to go to Just Food and, mm -hmm. and teach the clients there how to make that. And so I put together Just Cook 
and wrote the programs. And I, you know, I think that was the biggest thing for me is I felt really proud that I actually wrote a class, you know, yeah, it was, it was like cool. almost in textbook form, but all on the Google drive and everything mm-hmm. and, and just set it up so that anybody could use all the materials and the PowerPoints and go in and wow, teach. That's awesome. And, uh, that kind of made me feel like I was more of an adjunct kind of teacher. You know, I could step yeah. into any role and it felt better than the everyday public mm-hmm. school teacher, you know, nine to five thing that yeah. I just didn't really, I never loved it. Mm. I loved all my students, but I never really loved the, the daily grind of that, right. um, teacher role. Mm-hmm. And, um, Flint Hills technical college called me, they had an adjunct position available to teach, Garmanger, which is, you know, cold kitchen and charcuterie and all the things that go into, um, you know, preparing cold foods all the way back, you know, hundreds of years. And it was just one day a week. And so I thought, well, that sounds pretty nice. And that that was kind of the first thing that I did at Limestone where I stepped away a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was teaching that class down in Emporia. And um, I realized that, you know, yeah, I have to keep this teaching thing in my life yeah. to some extent. It just, yeah. it, it doesn't feel right if I'm not doing it uh, in some capacity. And after I did that for a year, uh, I talked to Patrick Kelly at the College and Career Center. Uh, I knew they had an opening uh, for the culinary program. It had actually gone dormant for a semester because uh, somebody that was teaching it at the time left mid uh, in the middle of the school year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I think I would do this if I could have some help. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, the only way to do that is to take the halftime position, which it was, and make it a quarter time. And then you can bring somebody else in and kind of share it because I didn't want to be there five days. I couldn't right. be there five days a week. Yeah. And so that's what we did. And and so now we're we're kind of operating that uh, kitchen and that uh, instruction with two instructors so that the students get two perspectives and uh, two different voices mm-hmm. and you know it's a it's a, a, a lot more doable for somebody like me in industry right to then step in and teach mm. and so I've been able to pull in several people over the years from industry and say hey it's pretty easy you know you you come in for you know maybe four hours a week and and you teach these kids and it's a lot of fun and and it's been great to get other people that thought like me didn't think they could get a job like that Mm -hmm. and then they do and then these kids get to work with real chefs all the time that is cool what a cool experience and that's now in lawrence now Mm -hmm. like yeah yeah, that you're working with the usd high schoolers yeah that's high schoolers from usd 497 and they they bus the free state and lawrence high school kids out to the career center which is down at 31st and haskell and we have them for basically two hours every morning uh, it's three hours for them because they need a half an hour travel mm-hmm. time mm-hmm. Uh, to get back and forth and it's just enough to do some pretty intense labs yeah you, know, you can really get them into a lot of things it 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 kind of crosses out some things like a lot of bread making um mm-hmm. uh, you know any cooking item that's going to take longer than two hours uh but mm-hmm. you know that's it's 90 percent of what yeah. what you need to teach that you can do in a two-hour time period was a good example. What's what's like your favorite favorite thing to teach there? If you were to... I think mother sauces. Well, we start yeah. them out with knife skills. I mean, mm-hmm. we That's want it. them yeah, to know that. how to use a knife. But after that, mother sauces. Because once they learn the mother sauces, then they can make any soup. 
and any you know three four component meal once they learn you know cooking temperatures on proteins and stuff but they're really fascinated by the mother sauces because they didn't think that they hollandaise was ever something that they would be able to make and and then we make hollandaise and then we make eggs benedict and they taste that for the first time and it's just like that same experience that i had when i was a kid and i tasted hollandaise and a poached egg on an english muffin and, and now we even make our own Canadian bacon. You know, I want them to really? get every single step. They make their own English muffins. They make their own Canadian bacon. Uh, we're just finishing, you know, a charcuterie uh, chapter. They made pastrami. They made bacon. They made all of these things, uh, you know, themselves. And they're just so proud of it. It's so well, neat. Well, of course. That's and awesome. And they put it together. They make their own pastrami Reuben sandwich. And they made every part of it. <laughs> That's so cool. And it's pretty neat. That's Man, awesome. sign me up. I'll go back to high school. For that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds so fun. Is there any adult component to it? Or I mean, I mean, are there programs in in Lawrence that do for adults as well after? Yeah, I, I'm glad you asked that question <laughs> because uh, I wasn't done with what I wanted to accomplish at Just Food, right. and uh, so I asked Liz. I said, "Hey, I really think that." We, Elizabeth Kiever, uh, the executive director, uh, I, I see a big hole in our um, employment pool right now in restaurants. We're all struggling to get people to work in the restaurants. And I said, could we do a program where we teach adults and clients of Just Food, but any agency uh, uh, that's connected in town and teach restaurant skills, like actually do like a culinary boot camp? Mm. And she loved the idea, so we uh, we launched Kitchen Works uh, two and a half years ago and made it a, a ten day long class where they they learn the knife skills, the mother sauces, the cooking methods. They learn the cold kitchen and and make three and four component meals, and then they get a sanitation certification so that when they leave after ten days, a forty hour class they're ready to go walk into a restaurant and say, I learned all these things. Mm. Here's my sanitation certificate. And it's just been a really successful program. And, you know, we, we say adults, but we've had, um, you know, high school students take it that, that couldn't take the culinary program, but they could take this. Mm -hmm. And we've had, you know, seniors take it. Um, uh, people that were uh, uh, disabled, um, just all, all sorts of different uh, Lawrence citizens that have gone through the program, and many of them that are actually working in the restaurants now. That's really cool. Yeah, I could see that it's a very important thing for. I mean, because like we, I mean, the reason we did this podcast is you know, food, food, you know, the restaurant business here in Lawrence is, is big. I mean, it's it's a big, a big, uh, yeah, a lot of people. That's the industry they work in. So I, I think I see that as a is a big need and that's it's, it's awesome that you're kind of involved in that and getting people and you know it's taught you know trained up on that and it, that must be a cool experience to see people through that you know it's like you know, you're, you're teaching them these skills and then i assume you you end up seeing them around, out, in the world. out in the world right and in the different absolutely in town. i've hired many of them too yeah uh, just through various projects that I've done. But yeah, a lot of just really feel good success stories of people that didn't know that they wanted to do this. And that's the the beauty of a short program like that is that you, you get some hands-on experience and you get to learn really quick if it's, if it's for you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, you can go and get a job in a restaurant and learn in a couple months if it's for you yeah. uh, rather than spending $50,000 on a two-year culinary school uh-huh. that, and by the time you're done, you're just like, 
no way. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to do that. And that's, you know, you'd be surprised at the rate of, of students that go yeah. through that, that really never loved the industry. Mm-hmm. You kind of, you went from that. So how long have, how long have you been doing that then? Has it been, you know, doing that program? Has it been? About- I've been with the school district for three years now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, we've, we've just built a new kitchen. Uh, we've got an amazing commercial state of the art kitchen over at the career center. I invite everybody to come and look at it. Uh, people that come and see it are just the whole building of the career center. Like, Oh my God, I never knew this was here. Just so many different great learning environments, but our instructional kitchen is, is, you know, I would say one of the best in the state, if, if not the best in the state. Hmm. And, um, it's, you know, I could take it even a step uh, further and say, I love to be involved in that program because it is just a conduit to the young talent Mm -hmm. that comes through. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when I started at Eudora, the very first face that I saw that first morning when I taught was uh, Zach Freiling, who uh, actually ended up coming to work with me when we opened Limestone. He taught with me at the Flint Hills College in Emporia, came back to Limestone, uh, won the Skills USA National Championship, which is kind of the cooking competition, state-sanctioned hmm. uh, cooking competition, and got a full-ride scholarship to the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde wow. Park, New York. And he completed that program, stayed there for his bachelor's. He's graduating in two weeks uh, in New York, and I'm going to go up and, and see him. But he's just one of those stories where, I mean, this guy is so talented and will get any He's you know, trying to decide if he wants to work at a two-star restaurant or a three-star restaurant <laughs> in San Francisco, L.A., or New York. Or wow. maybe I'll go overseas. You know, it's just, it's like, oh, that's amazing. It's, it's so neat that yeah. I've, you know, I've known him since he was a, a junior in high school, and now he's just kind of one of my best friends. Wow. I mean, I think that's awesome to have, you know provide that opportunity for people because yeah, it's one of those things. I mean, obviously you went through it, and but you you had to kind of probably find your way in there. You had to, like you said, I mean, it's Absolutely. probably a lot more competitive probably now than even I don't know. Just there's a lot of people out there, and it want you wanted to get into it, but yeah, I think it it kind of helps helps to find that path, right? Whereas instead of every person like oh, you know, you have to you know, you have to, you have to find, find your way in, but this gives you all the skills you need. Yeah. I find that so much of of my passion and what I do comes from, I didn't have these things at a time in my life where I think they could have done me a lot of good. So I want to make sure that I provide all those experiences for other people because, uh, you know, you just, you never know what talent is out there because situationally, maybe they haven't been able to express their talent. So, uh, it's great when you see that, um, come out of somebody. Yeah. That's great that the public, you know, public school system supports that because I think yeah, that's that's, that's a big thing too. It's like someone who's good at that is maybe not good at doing math or some right. class right. like that. Yeah. But you know, it's like it's fine. Like <laughs> need people who do other things too. So yeah, right. I mean, do you think we've reached an age where parents are going to stop forcing their kids to go to a four-year college and, Gosh, and so. let them be a welder or a yeah. cook or something else? I mean, I think it's it's a really yeah. neat time that that the public school systems are picking up on that and providing mm-hmm. these uh, educational programs and yeah. options for all all students. That's really neat. Um, the other thing that we wanted to talk with you about, you've got a restaurant consulting business mm-hmm. called Kitchen Scratch. So mm-hmm. first of all, what is it and how did it start? So Kitchen Scratch started as a food cost calculator. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, you know, in, in school and in Limestone, I was always trying to marry different 
databases and devices together by using the Google and spreadsheets to, mm-hmm. to try to do food cost. And it just, if you can't get the databases to talk to each other, like your inventory and then your calculator and mm-hmm. you're doing everything manually. And so I went to my friend, Tag Carroll, who is a programmer. I said, Hey, here's what the struggle that I'm facing. I'm, I really want to get on this food cost thing. And, and I also think that all these recipes that I've done digitally could be a part of that. And what if they could just interface and everything gets calculated and you can see it all. And he said, yeah, I can do that. (laughs) And he wrote this program and, uh, it worked beautifully and, and, you know, we were using it in limestone and all the, you know, it's on an iPad. So all the prep cooks are looking at the recipes on the iPad. They've got photos of what the item looks like. So mm-hmm. if a prep cook's plating a dessert, they can see exactly how it goes on the plate. If they're new, maybe they haven't done it before. Mm-hmm. And, um, we, we have since put it in, I think eight different restaurants huh. and, uh, it's, it, it just does a great job, especially for, uh, like chef owned restaurants mm-hmm. that don't want to really uh, have to be forced to get a big food cost program, uh, from a big company that is either a food service company that wants to know what you're buying, or it's a, uh, accounting company that wants to get into your QuickBooks. <laughs> and we want to stay far away from that. It's just, we just want you to be able to cost your food and know where you're at so you can right. make money yeah. because we want small businesses to make money. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it kind of has turned into more of a consulting business for me because as I would go into these restaurants and install the device, I would get a lot of these, well, what else can you teach us? <laughs> and you know, how else can you help our bottom line? Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden I started having a lot of different restaurants call me and say, hey, we heard you helped so-and-so. Could you come and help us? Mm-hmm. And, and so I do a lot of that today and I really enjoy it because it's really fun jumping into somebody else's game mm-hmm. and, and kind of, you know, being the person that everybody kind of listens to, uh, because of the experience. And I think I have the personality for it because I'm, I'm not a competitive person in the sense that I just, I really like to help people. Mm -hmm. And, and I think in the consulting world, there's not enough of those types of people. So I really enjoy it. And it's kind of become, you know, a little mini career for me as, as now I'm like, okay, how am I going to put, you know, teaching and consulting (laughs) and being a restaurateur and all these different things together. But it seems like through kitchen scratch, it really, I I get to do all of those things. So it's just kind of a nice, happy place for me. Yeah, Yeah. that's great. Kind of cool culmination of all your experience Mm -hmm. and be able to put it out there and and kind of aggregate it, I guess. Yeah. I get to say I have six jobs, (laughs) which is really true. (laughs) And people kind of, they go, well, how do you do that? I'm like, well, I still go home at five 30 and hang out with my family. It's (laughs) not, I just manage it. It's, It's all manageable. Yeah, how big, I mean, is it really just, I mean, after the, are you still developing stuff with that? Uh, you know, I assume the things, you know, you evolve it as you mm-hmm. go along probably. And- the problem with a tech device like that is the only next stage from beta is to go global. Mm-hmm. And then if it, if you're global, you're going to get a call from anywhere in the world saying, I want mm-hmm. this. And, and yeah. so you got to be able to build capacity to get there. And we just, we haven't really had the time or, you know, the money that it would take to build that structure uh, to get it there. So it's kind of a little homegrown mm-hmm. product right now. Cool. And, um, you know, maybe we find somebody that wants to take it to the next step mm-hmm. or it just kind of stays where it is. But it's it's a fun little thing to have. Yeah. Nice. And those eight restaurants, are there, I assume they're mostly Lawrence or? Yeah. 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 
And so then, you know, so you've been doing, you did this, this, this uh, there, and then um, when did Lucky Berry come about? Because you got involved in, as a partner in Lucky Berry as well. And... Yeah, so that was a kitchen scratch connect connection. Oh, okay. um, we had um, installed the product there to uh, just kind of help, you know, make the food cost part of it a little bit more transparent mm -hmm. uh, to the owners so they kind of knew where they were at with things. And, uh, you know, the, the juice smoothie concept uh, was way ahead of its time in Lawrence for mm -hmm. what the, with the sushi and what they were trying to do. Mm -hmm. And when the weather turned cold, it was, it just, mm -hmm. everything really slowed down because yeah. people aren't really out seeking those products. Mm -hmm. And so last winter we started talking and we thought, well, well, you know, what if we did more of a lunch and dinner type of a restaurant thing, but still kept a lot of the parts that everybody loved uh, about a uh, lucky berry. And we did that and it was a huge success and everybody loved it. And we just had this amazing summer of, uh, you know, doing all these new things and, and playing around with flavors. It was a great creative space for me. Hmm. And then the weather got cold. And once again, it still proved that, you know, yeah. it, it didn't really have the ability to um, get past that, even though everybody loved it mm -hmm. and everybody's kind of saying, well, where is it? Um, it was just kind of one of those stories of, you know, it, it, it was going to be hard to make it profitable in the way that it needed to be in downtown Lawrence mm -hmm. um, with a lot of people that, a lot of foods that people associated with warm weather foods. Yeah. Right. And I was sad to see that, you know, I saw that post that it was only, only a few weeks ago at this mm -hmm. point, but I remember seeing that and I'm like, ah, oh, man, like, you know, I, the food there, I mean, the food was great. I mean, man, it was, yeah, you can't find too much else like it in Lawrence, but, but yeah, but, but yeah, I imagine that was a cool kind of, I mean, it's a, once again, just a different platform to work with. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of a, that's kind of a cool connection with, with the company to be able to, once again, you kind of get to jump in there, kind of explore, explore that space. It really was. I mean, yeah. it, it took me back to Wichita as a teenager, learning a lot about Asian foods mm -hmm. that nobody else really knew about. And it was kind of the first time that I got to dive into that completely mm -hmm. of, of just designing foods kind of more on that spectrum mm -hmm. and, but fusing it with, with my Midwestern roots, which is a mm -hmm. lot of what we did at Limestone too. Mm -hmm. You know, we didn't want to do Neapolitan pizza in the way that it's the rules are set up and the regulations are of you have to use this flour. You can only use San Marzano tomatoes from this volcanic area in Italy. You have to use Buffalo mozzarella. We didn't want to do that. So we, we put that, you know, mm -hmm. Kansas twist on it. Yeah. And that was kind of what we did with Lucky Berry too. We didn't, we wanted to be very comfortable, um, and, uh, and very approachable by everyone. So what other project, you got any other project, you know, projects coming up here or brewing, brewing in your head or you, you, well, I've been a part of a, a consulting job that I'm kind of finishing up was at the Lawrence Country Club, oh, which right. was, you know, an odd one. I, you know, if you had told me a year ago that I'd be working full time at the Lawrence Country Club, uh, I would have thought, well, that doesn't sound like me. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I started talking to them and, and, and hearing some of their needs. And um, after, you know, a few weeks, I kind of fell in love with it. And mm -hmm. it was just a really neat place. 105-year-old country club with just an wow. amazing history. And, um, you know, the country club industry as a whole is, is kind of struggling right now. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so to be able to be a part of a project of kind of modernizing and, and changing a trend and getting to use my ideas and, and things for a, a organization like that that's been around for a long time, it was just a really rewarding uh, uh, uh 
project that's had a lot of great results, mm-hmm. um, both you know from the you know food costing perspective, but also just from the creative perspective and getting everybody reinterested in mm-hmm. in good food. Mm-hmm. So you know those are kind of some of the jobs that I've been doing recently. Hmm. Cool, that's awesome. And uh, one other question I always like to ask too, and you know. What, what what do you where do you like to go around town? You know, there's a bunch of uh, you know that's not any of your places. What's what's kind of your favorite food spots in town? Uh, so many. I of know them. It's, it's a loaded question. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah. when you people know, ask me that, I'm like, I don't, like, know. I don't like, know. You got like two hours. Yeah. To what, talk about what, them all? You, yeah. what do you want? We, you know, I always like to tell my favorite neighborhood restaurant. We live at 21st in Vermont, and we go across the street to Nagoya a lot. Yeah. And uh, we were kind of there in the early days and got to know Michelle and her family, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just really amazing. The food was just so good, and every time I would get myself off of the same thing that I would order and I would try something else and be like, wow, that's really good too. (laughs) And then I would eat that for six months. But Michelle would just take, you know, we have young children and she would just take care of our kids and make us feel so special in there. And uh, so it just, it was a really, it was beyond the food. It was just a really comfortable place uh, that, you know, we still find ourselves uh, at least once a week, like, let's just go to Nagoya. <laughs> um, but it's really easy to walk there or get there. Um, mm. you know, I love so many places. I love Leeway Franks. I love Seven Fifteen. Um, you know, there's just, uh, so many places around town that I have like a favorite dish mm-hmm. that I love to get. Um, you know, and you know, I'll use the excuse. We got small children we don't get out a lot, but, <laughs> but we do, we, we try to get out as much as we can. Um, as long as we can have a good kid friendly experience. Um, the stuff that Devin's doing over at Bon Bon right yeah. now is just, yeah, it's mind blowing. Awesome. I've had a lot of, uh, just amazing experiences over there. Uh, lately it's been, you know, definitely yeah. a spot. Yeah, they're doing like a tasting menu now pretty mm-hmm. regularly and all mm-hmm. that. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, but yeah, I know it's just there's so many places here. But I imagine part of it too for you is probably, you know, you kind of want to go out there and see what people are up to. Absolutely. You know, you know it's like kind of a research too. It's just like, what, what are people doing around here? And Yeah, it, <laughs> totally. And and it it is really, uh, it blows my mind sometimes what yeah. other people think about. And I love going to Mass Street Fish House. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love seafood and the way that they can pull that off in Kansas that I can get oysters and yeah. and, and yeah. just so amazing. many other great flavors uh, is just great. Um, I think my overall favorite thing, uh, you know, non-limestone in, in Lawrence is the spaghetti meatballs at 715. Oh, it's just, so it's, it's my jam. Mm-hmm. It's my comfort food. Mm-hmm. And um, I could eat that just about every day, sometimes with an egg on it, you know, just whatever. It's just so good. <laughs> Well, Rick, I want to thank you again for you know taking the time here. Uh, we're actually we're looking forward to we're actually talk with you hopefully again when we're we're going to bring in the uh, Sarah from Limestone and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. But it was really awesome to kind of hear your stories. Just I mean, it's just fascinating learning about you know it's it's really cool how you've you've really gone from working pretty intensely, but then also trying to find a way to you know help other people mm-hmm. and and keeping it local. It's awesome. It's it was really cool to talk to you. I appreciate it. It was great talking to you too. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Lawrence Forking, Kansas. We had a great time chatting with Chef Rick Martin about his many, many projects in the Lawrence food scene. And as we mentioned before the show, we have gone ahead and created a Patreon page. Um, so for any listeners that are interested in helping support us, 
um definitely go and check it out uh there's a lot of cool things we can do with patreon um so we've created tiers in there with uh you know different benefits and perks big thing to keep in mind too is you know if you can't donate monetarily for us it's really big if you can just help us spread the word you know tell your friends tell your coworkers, um tell the people sitting next to you at dinner uh that hey you should listen to this cool podcast um but yeah so we just really appreciate the 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 support we've gotten so far and, and hope to keep it going and please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating um you can find us on apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts and you can follow us on social media uh we're on facebook at lawrence forking kansas instagram at lawrence forking kansas and twitter at lawrence forking uh you know feel free find our pages like it subscribe uh and definitely send us some messages tell us what you think And if you're a restaurant or a food business owner in town and you're interested in coming on the show, please just go ahead and reach out on social media or email us at lawrenceforkingkansas at gmail.com and let us know. We are always looking for new people to talk to and would love to have you on the show. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.